Welcome to a point with Shawnee B. Not sure how today's going to go, folks. I have one of the funniest guys currently operating as a comedian in the UK and Ireland. He's Irish-based. He's an Australian. So he's an Australian Irishman, and I'm an Irish Australian, which he didn't know, and a lot of you people don't probably know. His name is Damien Clark. Welcome, sir. Welcome. It's How like are the, you? It's like the bizarro version of each other. Yeah. You're a bit like, or I'm a bit like the sort of um, Jim Owen. Yeah, oh, we, we yeah. threw Jim Owen to Australia and he became fucking huge and you you know you came here from Australia and you became huge so yeah like, yeah, it's it mad I always loved Jim Owen and we used to quote him in primary school who was that good yeah. it's like do you ever notice do you ever notice you know yeah. great stuff he, uh, I don't think anyone's quoting me though but uh, <laughs> not true not a lot true. of people yell at oh yeah back to my face it's like yeah that's, I'll Damien take it. Clark is, a, is lying there because he is a, a veteran of the comic scene he's done five years worth of solo shows at the Fringe which is very hard to do in Edinburgh this year at the festival his show Extra Show it was called why was it called Extra Show uh, because you don't know what the show's about when you write the name of the title alright and uh, I just thought it was funny because everyone's everyone who do, does well at the Fringe has Extra Show plastered across ah, yes, their yes. poster so I thought I'll just do that already it also implies that you're selling out all the time well yeah and it sort of worked and then I got to add an extra show so then it was extra show extra show it's just like hilarious I wanted to buy a racehorse once with my friends and uh, I said I'd only buy the racehorse if they let me name it so I I was living away so I was paying money for this fucking leg of a horse of a shit and they said, okay, you can name it. So I wanted to call it Go On, Go On, Go On. Oh, that'd be great. So you'd be going, go on, go, go on, on, go on, go on. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they said, oh, no, you're not allowed to call a horse that because the racing board won't let you. And I, they called it fucking All a Tremble from Two Little Boys. And I, went, I don't really want to pay for the horse now. And now there is a horse in the UK called what? Go On, Go On, Go On. Oh, there is? Yeah. And yeah. I had this other idea that if you, if you had five horses in your stable and one was called On the Far Side, and one was called On the Near Side, and one was called Through the Centre, oh, yeah. and one was called... This jockey's Taking a drunk. The rear and, and, what was in the, and put them all in the same race and give the instructions to put on the far side on, in the centre and the centre of them. So it become like that who's on first base. Yeah. And, the, and the commentary go on the far side, on the near side, on the near side, on the far side. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, through the centre is on the far side. Just for that. doesn't matter about the winning. Yeah, I mean, people yeah. go there just for the entertainment. Yeah, yeah. And then go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. It's like at the end. It's like go on, go on, go on. It's coming last. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Anyway, extra show at the Gilded Balloon in Edinburgh won the Amused Moose Comedy Award, which ironically is for uh, comics who are on the cusp of fame. Uh, yeah. Damien, yeah. <laughs> Damien has been there. On the comedy scene since 1996. It's a big so cusp. It is. <laughs> well, like we were saying. <laughs> but it must have been good to win that. Oh, absolutely. There was about 12 people up for it, right? Yeah, and like they, uh, I don't know how many shows, I guess hundreds. Uh, there's the best show, best something else, I can't remember. <laughs> I couldn't even remember all three. And the one, and the People's Champion, which is the one I got, so I just remembered that one. Uh, Champion. You've also, he's also been medal. very big on Irish television. He's had his own show called Daria. All this happened when I, when I left, so I, I didn't really know much about Damien I went to see him in uh, Whelan's in Wexford Street which is one of the top comedy venues and music venues in Dublin those of you listening from Ireland can get to see him next week on the 21st of February he has his own show has it sold out yet? not yet not yet tickets 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 well I haven't checked but I'm guessing (laughs) he will be there with his entourage yeah you and the gang yeah we're so glad to see you there because when you saw me there I didn't get to do much of a set so I, I didn't know who Damien was and there was this it was a Monday night and there was a guy from Canada and I'm sure you're not listening and we're not going to take the piss out of you too much if you are but he was heckling all the acts uh, all night in a kind of a unfunny but tame enough way and then what happened you came yeah. on well he seemed to be having a good time so it's hard to rip someone in you know yeah. if they're just sort of going along with it so 
it was fine. But then uh, he kept filming the gig. He filmed filmed everyone with his phone. And so, uh, so after a few few minutes, um, I was just like, "Oh man, like they've had a free show. Like let's just live in the moment. You do all that sort of stuff." Yeah. But he kept filming, so I kept filming. So I was like, "Right, we'll confiscate that." So I went to grab his phone, and as you know, he wouldn't let it go. Yeah, there was a scuffle. For a he was minutes, throw, it took he ages. Throw, yeah. So like me and him were like fighting over his phone for a long time. I ended up getting it, but then he got the microphone in my hat in the yeah, meantime. Yeah. So I got the mic back, but then he kept my hat. I was like, and he wore it. I know, oh, and then he said, then he took out his lighter and started lighting your hand. Yeah, so then... So like, then a fire issue in the upstairs of the wheels, which I'm sure would go up like a tinderbox. Yeah, so he burnt... That's when everyone was sort of not really on his side anyway for yeah. interrupting the show, but then yeah. when, it, when everyone saw flames and smoke, they were yeah. like, what the... And you're like, mate, you can't... I don't think I just said, mate, you can't burn stuff inside. You can't burn my hand inside. And it's not, it like, it's not like a nightclub. It's not like 20 bouncers descending them and kicking yeah. them out. It's, everyone, it's like the guy who's on the door is coming up yeah, and trying to yeah. get out. Yeah, so Dwayne Ritchie who was hosting, they'd come up just stand there and go, mate, you can't burn. Like, well, they would have been that angry. They was like, mate, you can't burn things inside, yeah, you yeah. know? And so they were like, oh, give me my phone back. And I was like, well, you burn my hand. I should have burned his phone. <laughs> but then I gave him his phone back and then they left. But they were yelling outside. But then the rest of the set was talking about what happened? What happened? And he handled it very well. It was very funny, and he kept he kept it there. I met him outside, and he, he I think he may have some mental health yeah, and he, and difficulties. So yeah, know, but he's just like off the whole show. Clear. But I did feel responsible because obviously, if I just let him film quietly yeah. on the front, no one else could really see. I mean, the second, third row said that they like later on they go. Well, I could see the you can see the phone and the light from it, and it is distracting. But oh. then the guards came, right? And I had to give a statement. Did you? Yeah. And then everyone that was walking out, because yeah. like from the crowd coming down the steps were like, here, we were witnesses, we were witnesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was mad. Yeah, so that's I mean, good. So yeah. then I get to put my hat back on and then just like smoke coming out of it. So I really enjoy that because the first gig I've ever done went wearing a hat with like smoke coming off it. I mean, the interesting yeah. thing about it is anyone listening who goes to comedy, especially smaller venues on a Monday night, a lot of comics use these venues to try out new work and to push out new jokes maybe they haven't finally polished their set and so you know if you're recording it and you're sticking it up on the internet it can reflect badly on the comic if, you, if it's stuff that is not you know I'm still working on this stuff don't, yeah. don't, don't film me and put me up come and enjoy it and, you know and you're, what was it a fiver to get in or something it was, it was yeah you know? and then like I'm, there's part of me that, that's thinking as well though on the flip side and that don't film in gigs like I'm totally against yeah. that but then right if something did go up and went viral, say, yeah. and some people got the to know hat burning. Yeah, the hat burning, and then people, the got, to, and people got to know me from that. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I'll take it. I'd rather be word of mouth. I'm still a fan, fan of the old like word of mouth because especially during the fringe, even though with all the social media and that, it's people go. Even with Netflix, it's yeah. all online. But if yeah. people go, Good you and Netflix, me go, yeah. hey, watch this, watch this. Yeah. Word of mouth is always have been and always will be the go to of what we're influenced by. Still Just waiting for the word of mouth to kick off on my podcast, but uh, we'll see. Oh, well, we're all talking about it. Yeah. We're all talking about it. <laughs> we now. We're on the cusp. Yeah, we're on the, we're on the cusp. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the cusp of podcasting <laughs> greatness. I'm going to win the Amused Podcast Award. This That's year. right, you are. Um, go back to your... You're from Perth. Mm. I love Perth. I mean, I so I'm an Australian citizen. I went to Australia in 97... And when I got there for the first time, I went, this is the fucking city I've been looking for, right? They get on well with the Irish, a lot of Irish, Australians. Mm. As you gravitate up towards Brisbane, Vegas, and <laughs> Queensland, it gets a bit racisty and oh, pink, yeah. pink. But Perth, I loved. Mm. I always felt Perth was the place, if there's going to be a nuclear war, there's going to be fucking 
another world voice. Oh, mate, that's exactly Kurt and just definitely hunker down. I say that quite a lot. I go, if it looks like you know Trump and Kim Jong Un's fingers are hovering yeah. over those buttons too close, or anything goes nuts, yeah. you go to Perth, it'll remain exactly the same. If I, I even joked that if the world was blown up by the time I got to Perth, it'd just be a warm breeze. Yeah. You know, Child- what was your childhood like? Did you have a happy childhood? Oh, yeah, I mean, I guess... Yeah, I loved it. Like, born in Adelaide. My dad's from Adelaide. Dad was a welder. And because of all the mining and... I always think, I know we're not a mining family. Everything's sort of... repeating. It all bloody came repeating, man, underground. So... Kalgoorlie, which at the time, I think it's the second largest in the summit, well, it was the biggest open cut mine at the time, and, and I think now there's another one that's top trumped it next door. But they were doing the water and the gas pipes right. out, so he was like, Yeah, I can weld pipes. And yeah. so they were just heaps. So we moved over there when I was three. I just joked that my first words were probably, Let's get the hell out of Adelaide, because uh, a, yeah. a lot of murders happening there, and you end up in bins chopped up. Yeah. But uh, So then we moved to Rockingham. <laughs> Adelaide is funny, isn't it? All, yeah. the, all the Australians kind of speak like this. Though. They have a kind of a, they kind of they've got their own Adelaide accent. It's yeah, like quite like Australian and dancing. Adelaide's probably the one that's most attached to the Queen and Commonwealth and royalty, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's known as State of the Churches. I think yeah. there's a lot of churches. Probably yeah. people praying to get out of Adelaide. But yeah, do you still I feel love that's that. your home, or do you feel Perth's your home? It's weird, a bit of both. It's one right. of those. I don't know, like because you've lived so many different places as well as just Australia and here, yeah. you probably. Say, you know, a lot of it's like, what football team do you follow? Yeah. Well, like... Perth Glory. Like, bloody Perth Glory, man. <laughs> but say, I'm, I grew up in Fremantle. Everything I know is Fremantle, oh, pretty right, much. Right. So, and I love Fremantle, and I know it more than Adelaide, but we spend a lot of our summers in Adelaide, so... Um, and it's also, uh, comedy-wise, right? I started in Perth, and then on well, the summers when we'd go back, so when I was, like, 18, we went back for... Uh, I'd only been... I'd done, like, a couple of open spots, so um, I went back and did a, a spot in a club in Adelaide, and I was fresh, and I hadn't done that well because yeah. I was new I'm like good enough to I go oh I've uh, I like this I'm doing this forever but then I like. It was, I think it was the first time I sort of showcased what I had it was an RSL and I did it yeah it was something like crappy whatever <laughs> they had at the time it was so good I was like wow look at this guy but okay. I think that was the first time sadly this is the first, the first time I think I used props and then that got me on a different tangent. I was a prop comic for about two or three years. I don't like what I'm prop comic is. You have a you bag, bag of stuff. Because my memory is atrocious. And so I would just go, oh, instead of just remembering and writing stuff on your hand, pick something out of a suitcase and go, oh, it's a carton of milk. Have you seen bloody milk these days? Whatever. And that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd pull out a dictionary and go, why is the word dictionary in the word in dictionary? <laughs> what is the word dictionary? It's written on the front. You know, like <laughs> yeah, the stupid yeah, base yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. that uh, I thought of back then. So I had a better comedy career as an open spot in Adelaide than I did in Perth because I tried all that during the year. Once a year or twice yeah. a year, I'd go to Adelaide and go, boom, how's that for seven minutes? <laughs> then drink a Hall's Fruiter, which is a can of drink you can only really get from Adelaide and then, uh, then head back home. I'm proud to be born from, from Adelaide, but then also proud that I grew up in Frio. Yeah. Were you good at school? No. No. Hated it. Funny at school? Yeah. Talk well, your way out of fights and stuff? With humour? Yeah, tick all the boxes. Probably yeah. similar to yourself. I don't know if I'm scarred from school. Like, I was never, bo- I was never beaten up. I was always bullied, and you could talk about that. And I could run, mate, I could run so fast. I was right. the fastest kid in primary school and high school, but not for anything good. <laughs> I never used it for good. At- yeah, you, I never, you didn't like- get the Olympic team. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm white, so uh, there's only so far you can go as a sprinter if you're yeah, white. Yeah, we yeah. all know that. I, I hate sport, and I think that was part of... The reason you had to leave. Yeah, I had to leave to Australia. Australia that if you yeah. don't like sport, you have to leave. Yeah, right? yeah. but I, th- I think it's because <laughs> because I hated school so much, and sport was to be honest, it was the only class that was outside. Yeah, and you could just run off. 
And so I would be looking at the other students going, why are they conforming to this? Yeah. It's disguised. They're rules. What are you doing? You, know, you can't just run out of history because they notice too much. But then yeah. you're like, I'll, I'll be outfield playing cricket. I'll just yeah. be standing so far that no one's ever going to hit the ball four kilometers, but I'll be over there. <laughs> Actually, first, it was weird because the first day of school, I ran off. And I was like four or five or pre-primary. Mm. No one ever knew what I looked like. Mum dropped me off. All good. She left. Then she got a call on the old landline, obviously, and they're going, oh, yeah, um, did you drop your... Key? He's not here. And so it was almost like half the day of the first day of pre-primary, they had to search because it was all bush that surrounded them, yeah. obviously. Exactly what you picture. And they found me bloody miles away. I just was like, oh, I don't like the vibe. And I was just it was your God moment. Yeah, it was. Yeah, just kept running, running. <laughs> run. And I've still got this thing where even the gym, right, you start, it's the start of the year. And like I joined a gym this time last year going, right, do the same as everything. everything and I, and I'll go in there and I was just like, I get that feeling again of like, why are they doing this? Yeah. You don't have to do this. I mean, maybe for your health and well-being, but otherwise, it's it's cool to not do it. It's yeah. cool to sit around and have a pint and like okay. do what you want. Yeah, I mean, I, just I, a couple of years ago, I was in Denver. I, I worked out every day for a year. Just to see what happened. And? It's fucking shit. I yeah, mean, it's crap. <laughs> but, 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 but what I used to do is I used to go to the gym with the newspaper or a book because I found this whole idea of sitting there. I mean, I'd also listen to stuff. But occasionally, like, I'd be on the walker or the... I call it the phagotron. I'm not sure we're allowed to say that anymore, the phagotron, but it's actually a technical name. It's sort of push-me-pull-you ski machine thing. Oh, them things, yeah. I had the paper open, and occasionally, you know, the wind would... And the paper would go everywhere, and I'd end up falling down, much to the amusement of the other gym members. I didn't do any of this pumping iron crap and stuff like that. Nah, I mean, obviously, I think if we could just choose which body we would like, yeah, that would be a good body to have. I don't think we're that far away from that. We're going to be fucking with jeans. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the thing with jeans is, like, if I told you that you're a kid... We could do, do something that would make sure she would never get cancer. You and your missile go, yeah, all right, wouldn't you? Mm. And then where does that line stop? We can make her beautiful. And we can make sure that her brain is going to be much more receptive to learning. This is where we're going because there's yeah. no fucking line. Because you go, yeah, of course, cancer. We don't want her to get cancer. But then you can say, we can also add these. We can also make her tall. Would you like that? We can also make her very fit and sporty. I don't think there's any doubt that we're going to end up with this manufacture. I mean, it's it's, it's final solution stuff, but I, I mean, it's scary. Yeah. Also, religion is kind of dying, and so the only reason for it is a moral one. So, in the eyes of God, we shouldn't. Yeah, around. but if we don't have the religion bit, yeah, they'll be like, fine, let's make ourselves into a yeah. superhuman race. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And people, of course, people would experiment. Experiment on me. Yeah. Well, so what's going on? And then, even in later life, do you want to be twenty percent funnier? Because Dylan Moran has got this operation, and you know, yeah, it's like giving that injection. Yeah, so it's, it's become the Tour de France of humanity. You know? Yeah, like you don't you don't win unless you're doping. Yeah, they're like, is it funny? Is that is that from the bottle, yeah. or is that you yeah. know, yeah, is that real? I think that's that's very unfunny sort of way path to to go down. So the school, I remember, yeah, it was just I was always going up the head office. I remember the first time I saw, like, I don't really swear that much, but then uh, probably listening back to this and watching yeah, myself back if I film, I know that's the good thing. But sometimes you'll film a gig and watch it back and go, geez, I swear an awful lot. I always thought I was a clean comedian, but nah. But anyway, I remember the first time I said, uh, I said F off to, uh, in the year two, something like seven. I said, fuck off to this kid, Sean Burns. And I thought this kid, Sean Burns was like, he was the fat kid in the class at the time. He looks great now. So, duckling, you're a swan. Yeah, and he, he had all the dirty jokes and all that. So I was like, I'd heard this somewhere, probably off telly. I was like, yeah, and then I told him to fuck off. And he goes, Amma. 
And then Miss McConville, right, with her mad, wiry red hair, comes around. She goes, "What?" She drags me out of the room with her, by the ear. It's like, "What are you? What is it? The eighteen hundreds?" <laughs> Didn't think that then, but now looking back, she goes, "What did you say?" And I went, "I told. I said, fuck off." And she goes, "Right." So she dragged me to the office in the ear. And then the cane was on the wall, but they didn't use the cane anymore. But I think they used it just to, just to point and go, you'll get the cane. Much the way mothers use wooden spoons today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now they, they, they put it up on the they put it up on the wall, <laughs> yeah. and they, you're looking at it going, she's not going to bake with that. Yeah, That's yeah. for my ass cheeks. <laughs> but I was bricking it in there, just thinking because I'd never been to the office before. You know, I was seven maybe. So I was just like, oh man, what have I done? Right? And they were saying, your parents, blah blah blah. But I remember this when I walked back in, right? She. She got back to class. So once the principal had finished with me, this little spiel, that's it, Clark, you got to blah, blah, blah. And then I had to walk back, right? And I was just like, heart was thumping or sweaty. But then when I walked in the class, because it was the front, so she's next to you, you're walking in, and all the children are facing you, 30 yeah. kids. The look on their face, right? You hear it. Mate, yeah. I came in, <laughs> and they were looking going, wow. Because yeah. they didn't know of anyone, and I didn't know of anyone who'd been in the office at that stage. Yeah. So I came in, because they didn't even know what I did. By the time I walked across the room in front of the teacher and sat back down on the other side of the room, I was so empowered. Yeah. I just walked back from the lowest I'd ever felt to the height, just going, this is amazing. You were amazing. Ellie. And I was like, that is it. Because <laughs> before that, I would just get yeah. in trouble for stupid stuff. Yeah. And I didn't do stuff to, to get into trouble, but I was like, right, that's it. I want attention now because that is fantastic. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> I just remember that happened every year after that. I remember the next class I had, like probably a year later, a new teacher... She said the answer to some math problem. I went, oh, bullshit. <laughs> Look like your old kid. She goes, Clark. And she, same again. But this time I was like, yeah. I thought I was the new word you, here. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was, I was like right, I've got some new material here. <laughs> you motherfucking ass. Clark. When I went to Australia, it was like, I got pulled up on, uh, the, the Australians, they don't think they curse all the time, but like they, they go, oh, there's no need for the, no need for bad language, mate. And I'm like, like, if you go to any Aussie and go, uh, can you tell me how to get to a concert? Yeah, mate, you fucking go out your fucking door there, <laughs> yeah. take a fucking left, and you go all the way fucking down that road, and you yeah. see a fucking huge pub to your fucking right at, and you're fucking there, mate. You know, and it's just, it's just, fucking is just every second. It's a comma, isn't it? I think that counts. Even on the news. All right, yeah. tonight on the fucking news, you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, don't even, you don't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'd say it oh man I don't need that fucking language yeah I know watching play school on a telly in Australia it's like alright this fucking little Ted goes down to this shop <laughs> you do, so you've done some comedy in, with your props in Adelaide and then you went back to Perth and you did the show there and so did you start feeling this was going to be it nah it was just did you know that you could do comedy I remember when I was 14 I said I was standing in the kitchen I'd go man I want to be I think I was just watching Billy Connolly again or something like that yeah. on, on tape we would have taped it so first time I saw Billy Connolly was on a, a Parkinson interview yeah and uh, I think that's where yeah yeah I know I maybe that. that's where he got it he's just interviewing <laughs> Park, Park he just got, he's like alright time for things to come and then he uh, I think I said to mum I want to be a comedian she goes oh you'll have to come up with a lot of material that's what she said I remember that and then I walked away going oh yeah I have to come up with some material and then I didn't think of it again but then uh, and then I was listening to the radio and then uh Triple J's Raw Comedy was a radio station, yeah. as you know. They still do it, and it's great. I think that was the second or third year they'd done it at that stage in 96. Yeah. There's a competition for stand-ups. I was like, are you joking? The stand-up going to be in Perth? It's called Pockets Nightclub, where they held the audition, I guess. That was a comedy club every Wednesday anyway, so I didn't know that. It was called Pockets because it was the corner bar of a pool hall. Like snooker tables. Yeah. yeah, good idea, Pockets. Yeah. I didn't get that for years. <laughs> How about that as a comedian? It was like, Pockets, you know, next to the pool hall. Oh, Pockets! <laughs> 
jeez, not very switched on. So mum dropped me off. I borrowed my dad's suit because all the comedians had seen, apart from like Billy Connolly, I didn't know where you could get like big, like banana shoes right. and a black cape. So uh, I wore a suit because Seinfeld was huge at the time then. I was like, yeah. So I, uh, I had a Mickey Mouse tie for my birthday and I borrowed my dad's navy blue suit. It was too big on me, obviously, and uh, my runners. I was like, yeah, this is how everyone dresses yeah. if you're a stand-up comedian. I rock up there, everyone's in T-shirt and shorts. Yeah, well, that was funny shorts. what you did. Yeah, I was different, Sounds but there. I was like, that's what I wear! Yeah. And that was the, that was the first... Seinfeld is... I've read a couple of interviews just preparing for this meeting today, and you, I, I could see Seinfeld looming large in a lot of your influence, and I never watched Seinfeld. I mean, oh, I, I went to see him in... Uh, like, I, I remember I was in Miami, and I was on a walk... On a really hot day, I was on my own in Miami, and I was walking past the Jackie Gleason Theater, which is a huge oh, theater yeah. there in South Beach. And I saw Jet Tonight, Jerry Seinfeld, and it was like three in the afternoon. And I walked up to the box office, and there was this great black, sort of fat lady there. She was. I said, "Can I get a ticket for tonight?" She goes, "You're kidding, aren't you? This has been sold out for a year." Mm. She goes, "But you know what? There is one ticket left." No. And I said, "I'll take it." You know, and I never, I never liked Jerry Seinfeld because I felt his observation of comedy was forced. I never watched the show. I know it's really good. He's a national treasure, but I went to see him on my own, and I was like studying the whole thing, and he was just a love in the audience. There's three thousand people in it. It was after the show had been cancelled, and there was some question whether he'd be coming back or not. And he asked, he asked the audience to do questions. Oh, what is actually a comedy? Hmm. I was going, not that funny. But it didn't matter. He just the love that he had in that room is just like mm-hmm. nothing I've seen. And I don't like, you know, I lo- I'd much rather be in a small, smoky room watching Doug Stanhope walk this mad tightrope that he does, you know, mm, yeah, yeah. You know, of confrontation or, or uh, Daniel Kitson. But Seinfeld, he was big in, in your formative years, right? Was there any yeah. other comics that kind of. Yeah. Billy Connolly, Seinfeld, was there any. At the time. Even Australian comics. It was, there wasn't really. Oh, this house this, right? Uh, there was a, a TV show that came out called The Big Gig. Wendy Harmer would, would be on. Greg Fleet, he was one. Yeah. But how mad is this, right? Because he was, as far as Australian stand-ups, he was one of the only ones that, the first one that I saw and that I knew, and I was like, brilliant. So I was in the Dole office when I was 17 in Frio, and I said, um, and she goes, uh, what, you're filling your form with the lady? She's like, yeah. next. I hadn't bloody done a tap, obviously. She goes, uh, what occupation? And I was like, I'd like to be a stand-up comedian, actually. And uh, can I put that down? She goes, oh, my son's a stand-up comedian. And I was like, really? You? She goes, Greg Fleet. I was like, wow. are you joking? She's in Frio working at yeah. all office. I was like, what? Well, and then she, go, and she goes, and she goes, for sending some money over to I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Help her out, mate. And then uh, she, she goes, yeah, we can't really put that down. So I was like, all right, okay, paint a decorator, right? Because I could paint walls at the time. Then when I was over in... Um, <laughs> I just moved to uh, Melbourne and I was broke. Obviously, I got my clothes from charity shops for like 50 cents and stuff yeah. like that. So I got this like t-shirt. It was sort of like blue and striped. There's like five different colours of blue striped across. And I was like, that's a nice plain shirt. I like it. So I was at the ESPY in, uh, yeah. in St Kilda and I was up and uh, Greg Fleet was on. I was like, no, that's a Greg Fleet horse. And I was like, hey man, he goes, hey, where'd you get that shirt? And uh, I went, oh, uh, the charity shop on Ackland Street. He goes... I've dumped a whole bunch of my shirts in there, probably to get money for heroin or something. <laughs> but he goes, he goes, yeah. And I goes, that's where I got it from. And he's like, no, so I was wearing it. I go, does your mum work in Frio? She goes, yeah, the bloody this job centre, the Centrelink. And I was like, she, I had her. And that's my do- in her. <laughs> she was my, like, she was my doll officer. How funny is that? Amazing. So it's almost like my own doll officer, like, it was like I was meant yeah. it. 
get to Espy where I ended up doing gigs for years because what a legendary place that was just from like the doll office from the mum of the guy I looked up to from the doll office near my house and the doll, the bloody and the doll officer whose son is a comedian won't allow you say you're a comedian yeah yeah it's funny that yeah you can't because yeah. she knew how much money he didn't get yeah true, 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 true. <laughs> and then like ended up wearing his clothes how funny is that brilliant, brilliant. really so the working dog were big I, I, I know Santa. oh working dog yeah I know Santa Chilaro, he's, a, he's a, a friend of mine we've kept in touch over the years. And some of the stuff they were doing was fantastic. But there wasn't a huge... Because I think Australians are funny. Mm. I, mean, I think they're funnier than English people. And they're very forgiving of people being themselves and they're very... They're not as class conscious. I've heard that before people have said that to, uh, to me, but just as, as a general statement about Australians, they're like, oh, you're very uh, blunt, aren't you? It's like, oh, yeah. fuck off, mate. What are you talking about? <laughs> Well, I mean, half of you came from here, so that's. I mean, I think they. they I, I get on, got on very well in Australia, and they, they were very good to me, you know. And I think Australians and Irish get on, get on well. Yeah. And because it's just that heritage. Always, and also, I think any country that can laugh at this, yourself, you can laugh at it. Like countries like France. Why doesn't stand up work that well there? Well, they can't laugh at themselves yeah. because they're too perfect in every way. Germany. But I, and I love, <laughs> I love France. Although Germany, they they do laugh at themselves. They yeah. just got a very dry wicked sense of humor as you know we'll come back to your chronology because just while we're here I picked up a good quote that you had which is you know the comedy is as good as it's ever been Mm. and it's the least offensive it's ever been we're we're very conscious of being politically correct Mm. and yet people are more offended than ever yeah where is the line how do you feel as a comic in this environment and in this in this sort of context where there's just outrage you can only be offended if it didn't make you laugh and you paid in for something to make you laugh. That's right. the only way you can be offended. If you come out and that's the only way, if someone comes out and goes, man, I did not laugh at that yeah. hour show. I'm like, here's your money back. I'm really sorry. Thanks for giving me a chance. Yeah. If they come out going, I didn't like what you said about this. I'm like, cool. Fair enough. I mean, that doesn't happen to me much because I talk about food most of the time. <laughs> I don't, I can't eat cheese anymore, Clark. <laughs> So don't get angry at the joke. Get angry at the people that laughed at it for you're so offended. And people mainly get offended on people's behalf. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you can't get offended on people's behalf. I get offended. Everyone gets offended at stuff. I've never been like, excuse me, but unless someone's like physically getting beaten up, it's just words and sticks and stones. Yeah. Say that to you. Sticks and stones are break bones. We learned that when we were four. Even in the course of this podcast, I've had to reel myself in on it because, you know, my girlfriend says to me, you know, it can be... You can be as funny as you like, you can say what you want, but be prepared for the consequences if people get outraged. Yeah. And I kind of go, okay, but it still comes down to this thing of what's funny, right? Yeah. You know, like you're not supposed to do rape jokes, right? You know, but I mean, I think you should be able to do rape jokes. I think you should be able to do jokes about anything, as long as they're funny. Then it becomes what's funny. Yeah. And to whom? And, and you know, my funny might be different to your funny. Yeah. Right? And we're, we're stuck then because where's the line? Again, I've gone mm. back to that other conversation. Do you, okay, can't do rape jokes. Can we do dead baby jokes? Can we do cancer jokes? You know? Yeah. I mean, Doug Stanhope, I went over to visit him and I went over to see him. Visit him. I went over to see him in, in the Apollo in London and he opened, a, he opened a bit going, have we got the cancer girl in? In front of 2,000 people. And she happened to be sitting like behind me and she kind of put her hand up. Yeah, this girl just said, said she, how long have you got? Before. And the whole place is just clunching, <laughs> and, and and she's like, and it's a huge old venue. It's not small. Yeah, and that's and she's got, she's written to him, and he goes, 
yeah, you know, I, I mean, he, he just tackles it head on and it's like mm. cringy and you feel for her. She's going with it. He's keeping an eye on making sure he's not pushing it too, you know, but he's prepared to go there. Yeah. And he did a piece about Lesse Majest in Thailand, which would have him absolutely killed if he was in Thailand doing it. Mm. And he walks this tightrope, which I love, the bravery of it. And bravery in comedy is what I gravitate towards, yeah. even though sometimes it falls. I love it. It's not what I can do, like the, the serious topics. The worst things that happen to us in our lives, we need the release of... Like, the people that have seen and have lived through the most horrific stuff usually have the best sense of humour yeah. because it's a coping mecha- mechanism yeah. and they, they go, well, like, I've lived it and I'm alive, yeah. so yeah. I'm going to laugh at that because then you take control over it. Yeah. If you're laughing at something, like, back to the story about getting out of fights, some guy wanted to fight me, I was just laughing at him. Mate, nothing gets more... He's, it just belittles everything he wanted to do. Yeah. It's just like, like taking on the... Six, and not, not saying like laughing at it, but you, you're dealing with it and you're taking control over it. And I think that's... Um, as well as it's a release, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> you go to a town where there's uh, there's something that's sort of the elephant in the room that no one's talking about. Yeah. If, you, if you hit that, yeah, yeah it's, it's shocking at first, yeah. but then it's something that sort of... It's, it's almost like you're getting a weight, a weight off your shoulders. You know, if it's done tactfully, obviously. Yeah. And that's back to the question of, like, is it funny or not? If most people or, or some people or a lot of people laugh, it doesn't mean they're right or wrong. Mm. It's just, like, they needed that laugh. Yeah. That's it, yeah. So if you, I think if you're... Do you, if you're do you, when you're writing your stuff, though, do you... Oh, I can't go there. Oh, no. Well, my... my uh, the thing that I never learn is I'll try anything I think is funny. But then the audience... <laughs> the audience... Pure. The audience will tell me... Nan, that does not you suit you. <laughs> I'll get the great pedophile jokes. And every time I try them, they're like, man, go back to talking about cheese or something. You know, I'll be like, oh, come on, that's funny. So I'd have to really get into it. But uh, I think as I get older as well, I either find out that uh, how to get into it. So it's just longer setups a lot of the time mm-hmm. is how you can get into darker stuff. Things that enrage me are the everyday stupid things. Yeah. You know? I mean, you're known as a feel-good comic. You, you, you probably don't want an audience to be divided. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I would, I would. Uh, why have anyone? Yeah. You know, like that's not what I'm here Pissed for. Pissed off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like like Kermit the Frog. It, Kermit yeah. the Frog just wanted to make people happy. Yeah. I was like, when I saw the Muppet movie when I was a kid, I, don't, I can't remember life without the Muppet movie. <laughs> I was like, that's exactly. He's just playing his banjo on his guitar, going, yeah. "I want to make people happy." He's like, "Yes." Yeah. Why wouldn't anyone want to do that? It, wherever people are from, we want to get them to that one point where everyone's laughing together. Yeah, yeah. If everyone's laughing together and then the world exploded, we accomplished what it is to yeah, be that's true I mean that's a good way all rocking out one of the two like rocking maybe laughing while we were listening to music <laughs> and I guess today with, you can work out what sort of comic you're going to see so you know there's also a responsibility on the audience member to mm. do at least a little bit of research and most edgy comics before you sit down you'll know this could get a bit weird for me this might go some places that I don't know yeah. not one of your gigs probably because you're not known for that and um, you took your banjo to Ireland. How did that happen? <laughs> Always wanted to come to this way, uh, like I guess family roots, or whatever. And like Guinness. every Australian. Did you go to London first or Ireland? Came to Ireland first. All right. Yeah, Ireland? Did, yeah, did it the right way around. I met Sandy in a nightclub at one o'clock in the morning, and Sandy's uh, your girl. Yeah. yeah, and that was in two thousand one. She's Irish. She's from Dublin. Yeah, ah. on the old backpacker thing. So, um, and I've, I didn't even know where she was from. Yeah. Saw her eyes and the smile, and like. We had a, well, she pinched me on the ass. That's how she got my attention. <laughs> but then I was just too. like, right. She goes, right, yeah. Hashtag me. Too. I'm following this. I'm following this girl around. Uh, when she said, wait, where are you from? And she's like, oh, Ireland. Oh, in my head, I thought, well, I'm going Ireland. Then. Wow. Okay. Like so as I first sight. 
Yeah, I mean, it took her a few months to come around. But like, no, she, she did like me straight away. But also, she was in holiday mode. Yeah. And I wasn't in looking for love mode. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, when I, when I, like, that was it. And then it's been like that ever since. So she came back and I followed her back. And then it was just like here. And then uh, I was like, well, I've always wanted to go over to Scotland and do the Edinburgh Fringe. So then I did that. And then we were back and forth. And then we, we settled in Australia for a few years. And then I settled here for a few years. And then, so how long have you been together? 17 years now, maybe. Wow, right, right, right. Yeah. And yeah, so you came here in what year? 2002. Okay. I mean, I arrived in my 20s, so... That's you all I got used to. You running a bit, because you... Like, I was... YouTube is a harsh mistress, because there's a, a very funny piece of you on The Late Late Show with Ryan Tuberty, who looks like he's just made his confirmation. Oh, yeah. And you're very young on it as well, with, mm. with the... Um, Darius show. So tell me how the Darius show got done. Because that, that must have been soon after you arrived, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. That was... Uh, that was pretty good timing. We moved here for good in 2005. Uh, the International was on, and Andrew Stanley ran the Comedy Cellar yeah. then on the Wednesday. And then at the end of the night, like you're saying, then you have, like, mess arounds and that. Yeah. A few dares and that. Like, just, oh, what do you want to talk about? And then and then we thought, this would be a great show for the Edinburgh Fringe. Mm. So it started out live. We go, what do you think we should do tomorrow, right? And they would tell us what we do. And I just got a camcorder and a, an HP laptop. I think it's named after the brown sauce. And then it edited just as well. It was very slow. So we'd show, this is what the audience, and then we'd do stupid stuff like, the first one was go into a phone box, dress into a superhero, and then like run out, you know, and save the day and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Stupid stuff. So we had enough to do a show and then get dares from the audience in Edinburgh. Go, what would you do tomorrow? And there was a vote. So we'd pick one. It's like, dress as a duck and and um, <laughs> go in the Prince of Street Gardens and get people to throw bread at you you know stuff like that pitch, we show that to the next so the next crowd yeah. how do you stop that uh, so we just picked the best best ones got in and so by the end of the run it was a completely different show or yeah. different other best stuff and then RT got a wind of that and uh, through the Irish national broadcaster yeah yeah and then they were like that's a TV show right there and then away we went so that was it and it, and it, it hit mm. right and then they what, how did it come if they stopped doing it I mean, the story goes that the new executive producer came into RTE and everything that was on RTE2 entertainment-wise was scrapped and then started again. So we sort of did the Donald Trump of everything Obama set up. is like, no more Obamacare, that kind of jazz. And we were like, it was just... the swamp. Yeah, but the ratings, it was the best rated thing on yeah. the, the night it was and blah, blah, blah. But it's just one of those things. But it was just enough to go from a uh, regular guy in the circuit to, oh, now we can tour. I mean, talk to me a bit about the, your goal that you know if you look at some of the comedy even today I'm not going to mention uh, names but there are some shows that are on RT right now this season that are so unfunny and they're getting made and I'm just going how the fuck are they not tapping into um, why doesn't RT allow edgy stuff like they you know apparently they didn't pass on Father Ted that's the old um, it's apparently a myth that Lennon and Matthews didn't even pitch it to RT but as I say we know they would have passed them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> of course they would. I'd say Lennon and, and Matthews just didn't bother going to them, right? Yes. Um, wh- where do you see the, the, the role, your, you know, your career in terms of, do you want to break into that Michael McIntyre sort of area? Is that is that the goal or do you prefer, I mean, there's lots of money in that, obviously. Yeah, money's good, but then what's money when you can't just walk down the street or whatever? But then you can afford, right? Why don't most celebrities do this? Masks. Masks. Yeah. yeah, maybe yeah. they do. Maybe well, you have a fake. He has a fake beard on here today. I got a fake beard. That's We're a good thing. Hotel and, and so instead of like, and my hat is like yeah. my, my my Clark Kent glasses. Yeah. I wear yeah. my hat on stage, off stage, and don't, don't wear that burn hole in it. <laughs> <laughs> you go, is that that burn hole? That's that comedian guy, right? Um, but yeah, obviously the 
obviously the bigger the better, but not. Uh, I haven't got my sights set on arenas and all that, but mm. theatres definitely. Yeah. And uh, give us a theatre any day. But I mean, I th- if maybe if I set for arenas, I'll get theatres. You know, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll start doing do that. Do you ever get down? Down? Yeah. Do you get like depressed, or do you oh, get, do you get yeah. like the tears of the clown kind of thing? I mean, in terms of just you work very hard. I mean, I can see that. I mean, I can see you know, and you're enthusiastic all the time. Mm. Your persona is enthusiastic. I used to make this analogy like. If the Rolling Stones come into Dublin, or we just had U2, and U2 came and went like a ship in the night, no one really paid them that much attention just because they're so irrelevant. But if you go to see a Rolling Stones or U2 concert, you pay €145 Euro mm. to watch them as geriatric old men on stage, and that's just U2. Um, <laughs> and if a comic goes up on stage and he does one joke that you've heard before, he goes, ah, this guy fucking... You, know, you, you, you pay lots of money to hear a band play a song that you've listened to 200,000 times on your fucking iPod and a comic has to consistently come up with new material new show blah blah blah, blah mm. and get paid 10 the amount of money right? so this is just this doesn't feel fair yeah maybe I mean I suppose financially see but we're not that's the thing like now as you mentioned the kid now I have to be like oh, yeah. I have to earn money now where before we could just doss around and I'm not I wasn't in a rush and I'm not in a rush and that's I just want to get better you know yeah. all the time like every gig like that cusp just a slow trajectory I'm like I'm I'm loving what I do and I'm loving it's like uh, but then the only times I get down I guess is when uh, yeah when the bank account is like yeah. and you're like probably. I probably should have uh, invested more or something what does Sandy do if you don't mind me asking yeah she works she... in a she works as a holistic therapist okay. and massage facials right. and uh, so she had a beauty therapy background but now she does nutrition she's a studying nutrition and now yeah. she's helping people with their diet because as it turns out gut and brain is very much connected so <laughs> I'm learning about she's probably going to save my life with my crappy diet but <laughs> if your gut is sorted I mean, obviously that helps everything yeah, oh mate it helps everything thing. so I think and, and, and apparently we're going to be doing shit transplants that'll be comedy material that she'll be able to give you information oh, so that mate the stuff that's in your gut sometimes they can take it out and they put someone else's good shit in there for the bacteria first poo yeah that's brilliant. I wonder if you take, first take this, <laughs> take this orally. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Sandy, if you're listening. We're a bit vague on this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The bio me, it's called. Imagine your doctor said, eat shit and, and, and don't die. Eat shit and don't die. Okay, sorry, I can't read your handwriting. Does that say eat shit and don't die? It does. Now, here's, I've got one in a container. Got one in a container. But, yeah, it's fucking... Talk to me about... Becoming a father, then what was that? So that that is a line now that has changed things. You've got to make two hundred and fifty grand over the next eighteen years. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to. Get, I'm gonna have to get into uh, arena. I'm gonna have to get into arenas, yeah, aren't I? Yeah. Quick smart. Yeah. So my hopefully my trajectory goes uh, more steep now, because <laughs> also they say uh, your apprenticeship is uh, ten years in stand up comedy. And because I'm a slow learner, give it twenty years. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in comedy two years, right? Right. So I've done my apprenticeship two years. I always it always took me like twice as long to learn anything. Yeah, I'm just starting out. Let me uh, let's get this kid sorted. But then do you know what? Also, people say that uh, if whatever you put out there, you get back. Mm. And for some reason, like when I was uh, starting out and when I was looking at comedians, they'd all be in their forties, and I would always go, "Man, I can't wait when I'm in my forties. I'm gonna know the world. I'm gonna I'm gonna." It's like, happen. it's just, yeah, it's just like the way that, oh, I didn't know I was going to have a kid just before turn 40, but like, I think that's going to be like, oh, right, now is when I actually pull my finger out, yeah. write stuff down that I say, yeah. look at it again, yeah. instead of it just disappearing and work harder so at it and see what happens. You, you, your show, a lot of it is based on, on 
becoming a father. Yeah, new material. That's yeah, why we had a kid. Exactly. New material. Because yeah. a, a kid is not just for new material, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, what? You a can't just use not it. just for Christmas. And a kid, a kid is not just for material. What were some of the things? You have to you, feed it. You have to feed it. Yeah. What were some of the things that you, you know? Some of your insights about being a father. People would always say, oh, you'd be a great dad, you know, mm. you'd be great. Dad. And like, I think people just say that to anyone to be nice, you'd be a great parent. But like, I just want to say, you're wrong. Because you can't look, if someone has like if a lot of energy and is immature, no, you need someone who's going to be a strong role model, disciplined, liked learning, was clever. So it's, it's the opposite. Well, I mean, I think, but here's, here's, the other thing. here's the other thing, right? I've heard this a lot and I, I'm going to debunk this. You know, I see people like, why do you want to get fit? Or why do you want to do this? I goes, well, a kid, I want to be there to be there when I, you know, when my son or daughter gets married or I want to see them through college. And if I died now, happy days. Because I reckon, what? There's no way that I would be as good as this kid's imagination. Say he had one photo of me and I was dead from now on. And he'd just keep that in his wallet and every now and then pull out and go... My dad was a great, as far as, like, and just be a myth and rumour. It'd be like, he was a great guy, just want to make people happy. He was, you know, da-da-da-da-da. I've got to live up to that now. And they go, oh, God, bloody. I've learned a few things over the years, you know. Mm. I've learned, uh, I can't think of anything right now. No, not at all. It's it's the old, like, George Bailey, you're worth more dead than alive. Yeah, (laughs) totally. It's like, I'm not afraid of dying either. I feel feel like uh, I've never had kids. That's one of the things that I, I'm very pleased about. Yeah. Because I can still mess and I can still... If I want to suck it right in in terms of money, I can. But I like that about it. And I can also, apart from the fact that I'm now in that relationship, I, I also like to be able to drop things and just move and go and, you know, all that stuff. You yeah. Can, so you're anchored. I think you're right. It does give you this fill-up to have something to say, okay, I'm doing it for that now. And yeah. But I, I just... Lo- I, the thing I was trying to say earlier was... This idea that as a kid, I would have preferred if my father was really childish and never grew up. And I think mm. you have this sort of, you have this mischievousness that I think if you ever lost that, you know, you'd just become vapid. Yeah. And who, who said that parents have to be fucking strict disciplinarian role models? Who said That's they true. can't be the crack, you know? Yeah, and the best memories I have of my dad and probably a lot of it is when they were just messing around having a yeah, crack, you know? Yeah. Not like, oh, I loved it when it was very stern that time. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was when it was having a crack. So at least yeah. I'll have a lot of good memories of just, like, messing. Because, I mean, yeah. and Sandy and me were both, like, she's a she's a big messer. In yeah. fact, if we can keep this kid alive and save his life, he's saving our life. Because mm-hmm. we were absolute, like I was saying, we were just drunks for the last 15 to 17 years. Yeah, yeah. Now, I used to come home, and she'd be like, uh, did you get any cash? And I'd be like, for the gig. And be like, yeah, but I spent it on the bar. And she'd be like, fair play to you, you know? But <laughs> now she's like, now she's like, we need that fucking money, you know? yeah. But I mean, I, but I'm like, that. you know, last night, they're like, are you coming for a scoop? I was like, I don't know, because I want to be sober today, because uh, we've got this for an hour, but then I've got the kid for the rest of the day. And, yeah. uh, and I'm really looking forward to that. If yeah. I was hungover, I would not be looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that you're all moderation stuff, isn't it? Like you yeah, say, yeah. if you... If you uh, don't drink all the time then you never have to quit so your kid is young moving away from comedy how do you see the future for him do you know it's always the same I think with bloody human beings like the worse shit gets the better shit gets on the other end of the scale you know how, first of all how many generations does it take to realise that people are just all equal <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, we should, yeah. that should have been number one yeah. we're still working on that I know. that is unbelievable how s- slow are we but anyway so 
to be honest, like Perth, plan B if everything's going to go tits up. But what I'm going to do, right, as he's growing up, so say the history of the world, just have a condense into 10 years. So he'll start on vinyl in the next right. few weeks. He'll scratch the hell out of that. Yeah. I'll, I'll take him from, like, music every, like, month. Yeah. Just, like, saturate him with, like, that era yeah. of music and, you know, culture and all <laughs> yeah. that. And just so by the time he's 10... And you know what? I was watching Child Genius. And I think the Chinese, man, I think they've got it sus. They go work... You know, they, they're known for working really hard. The they they go... Yeah, they go work... This one dad goes, work so hard up until you're 16, and then you never have to work Retire. hard for the rest of your life, yeah. because it's just in your head. That's when we're supposed to learn. You're like, jeez, yeah. And I mean, I'm sure when you're a kid, you want to have more fun. So you just, just pay, you know, just schedule that in. And I'm not going to be like a militant dad, but I think the Westerners, we're just so dumb, a lot of us. What would you say to you? It's one of my trademark questions. What would you say to your sort of younger self? who was in Perth doing, you know, about to become a comedian, what would you say to him? Live for the future. Like, <laughs> save money, you idiot. Make it easy for future me. Like, invest in something. Yeah. Worry about everything. Because this is the thing, everyone's like, oh, uh, live for the... Like, you know when you're in your 20s and that, your teens, like, live every day like it's your last. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and then Love the old that. joke, huh? you're like, oh, what, being, being in a hospital, coughing up blood. No, no, like, and that's what I did. Mm. And I had such a good time. And then all of a sudden you're 40 going... Bloody hell, I should have lived for tomorrow a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think I'd tell myself, get to the airport at least three hours before your flight. Because I think <laughs> in my 20s, I miss, no joke, my friends are telling you this, at least 30 flights. Really? At least. Because, I mean, what, what are you doing when you're travelling? Drinking. Having a good time. Enjoying yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Go and buy some of uh, Damien's stuff online. Those of you in Ireland can see him in Whelan's on the 21st of February, which is next week. Thank you for being on a pint with Shawnee B. Keep making people laugh. And keep being on the cusp of fame, if not more. On the cusp, we're doing it, Johnny. Thank you, sir. Pleasure, absolute pleasure.